0: Good morning church. Good morning. I am so glad to be here. Uh, I'm honored and excited to be here. As a matter of fact, when uh, I, I got called uh, last month to come and do this, uh, I almost instantly uh, said yes. And It wasn't even a matter of saying, well, let me stop and let me think, and let me pray about it. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, I was on staff here for about 13 years uh, from uh, the late 80s into 2000. And uh, so, and uh, my heart has always been here for the people of this church, and uh, so I'm excited about it, and uh, I have watched the DNA of this church change and morph, and uh, with everything that is happening, I, I am uh, just overwhelmed by uh, the Holy Spirit of, of watching what the Holy Spirit is doing with the people of this church, uh, especially in the last... Uh, Year and a half, two years, and it's an amazing process. And not only that, but I love the fact that Pastor David is teaching expositorially, going chapter by chapter, verse by verse, word by word, so that we can get the full counsel of God. And some now, almost 60 weeks ago, when we started the book of Mark, Uh, like a a slow arthritic uh, snail. We are moving through that process uh, and uh, I have enjoyed just uh, sitting and receiving and uh, learning more about what God is saying for me in my life. And uh, as we look at uh, that whole um, chapter of chapter 14, two weeks ago, uh, Johnny came up and and taught from verses 1 through 11, and then last week, uh, uh, Dre came from Rocky Peak and taught uh, uh, a little, he missed a whole section. I don't know how many people realize that, but we missed an entire section, and I was sitting down last Sunday, and, uh, and when I realized that we had missed such a large section, I talked to uh, Kenny and, uh, and Kelly on Monday, and I said, what are we going to do? And uh, I said, that's a large chunk, and if we're going to have to cover it, uh, I'm just going to have to take more time than normal. So they said I could have 50 minutes to speak. (laughs) Just joking. We haven't changed the DNA of the church yet. Yet, David. We'll get there. 50 minutes. Uh, But no, um, anyway, before I screw this entirely up, let me pray. Father, thank you the opportunity of just coming before my brothers and sisters, Uh, and and I pray that uh, with all the preparation that has been done, Lord, change whatever it is that you want. Uh, Use me today to be a conduit from your throne to our hearts. Lord, uh, that uh, the things that I would say would be meaningful to you. Lord, and I, I pray that uh, today uh, you would allow us to realize that there is no one in here by accident. In Jesus' name, amen. We have just passed, I was just talking to Johnny just before we were up here, one of my favorite times of year, Christmas. Uh, I am the guy who loves the whole tradition of Christmas. We set up the tree um, early, we start putting up our ornaments, we change everything in our house goes to greens and reds, and uh, I I love the tradition of what happens during that time, for many reasons. But one of the things is I I, I love watching uh, the Hallmark Channel, Uh, I love crying through some of those movies, Uh, and and those um, who, uh, who, who know me... From about the time of Halloween on, um, I I start with Christmas on everything. Uh, On my phone, I have an app where I listen to Christmas music uh, 52 weeks of the year. You walk in my house, uh, and uh, I have a a calendar that my wife made for me that uh, I changed how many days it is to Christmas um, from the very beginning. So right now, I think it's 319 or something like that. but uh, you know, um, when I was trying to figure out traditions, you know, there are some times when uh, we try to explain traditions, and so one of the things I did is I actually Googled it um, uh, on what traditions were. And uh, actually, I didn't Google it, I said, hey, Suri, what do traditions mean? And, and it said this, uh, it, it is a, uh, a belief or behavior passed down within a group or a society with symbolic meaning or special significance with the origins in the past. You know, it's doing the same things year after year, remembering the past, anticipating what is happening right now in our lives, but more important, what we're doing now and how it's going to relate in years to come. And so in your growth groups, if you have not signed up for a growth group, number one, I want to encourage you, Uh, get into a growth group. But one of the things that our growth groups are going to be asking each other at the beginning this week is what traditions do you do each year that you enjoy? And more important, why? Um, And I sort of wish I could be a a fly on the wall in some of these conversations to find out what is it that you are doing in your own life that is uh, year after year, repetition. What are those traditions that you are handing out to other people. My sister-in-law, uh, Shalana, um, she has uh, the, the habit of, she has a tradition where she, uh, on Thanksgiving, makes pumpkin pancakes. Now nothing seems more nasty to me than eating pumpkin pancakes, but she does it, and she, one of her other traditions that she does is, on the last day of school when her kids were growing up, uh, she decided that she was going to have dessert for dinner. And so she breaks out with ice cream and sundaes and stuff like that. And that's what they have for dinner on the very last day of school, just to celebrate the fact that summer is coming. I am sure that as I look around this room, that many people have many things that they're doing as a tradition. And that's one of the reasons why I just love this portion of Scripture. Now, there's not only happy times and happy traditions, but uh, there, there are things that occur... Uh, that we celebrate uh, on a continual basis. When you look at Memorial Day, when you look at what happened uh, on September 11th, when you look at what happened on, on December 7th, when we sort of commemorate, remember uh, being drugged into a war uh, for World War II. And so, one of the reasons why I love this portion of Scripture is because it is so practical, so applicable in my life, it's so rich with the heritage of the Jewish people, but more important than that, what we're going to cover today is about you, about me. As a body of Christ, as the church, we are called to celebrate in remembrance this tradition. And so um, if you have your Bibles, please open up to Mark chapter 14. We're going to begin at verse 12. And the passage that we're going through is actually out of the ESV, but whatever version you have, if you have your Bible app, please turn to that as well. It's also going to be up on the screen. Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 12. And on the first day of the unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said Prepared the Passover. Now, uh, I want you to understand th- this is for the culture of the Jewish religion, uh, the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. This is a huge deal. Uh, this has been celebrated now for some, at that time, almost 14, 1446, uh, 1446 years. So, year after year, this tradition of the Passover was being proclaimed in every home uh, using the same script, the same elements. It was passed down from father to father, from generation to generation, and and these Jewish boys that were all hanging out together, they knew exactly what was going to happen. Um, There wasn't a tradition that was going to happen at that table that they weren't familiar with. Part of, the part of the tradition starts with the youngest male in the household uh, getting ready. And he practices all, all week long, all month long. And he starts off with beginning this, the, the whole Passover with asking a question. What makes this night different from all other nights? And there the story unfolds. You see, um, I, I wish I actually I wish we had 50 minutes because this part of Scripture is so rich. But if we turn uh, into Exodus, you will see the beginning of this, and in your growth groups this week, you'll have more of an opportunity to look through chapters seven through eleven in uh, Exodus. And there, what you begin to see is that the nation of Israel as they have been enslaved for 400 years, for those of you who remember, uh, Joseph comes on the scene, saves the the the, the, the tribes of Israel, and, and then uh, they go into slavery. And, and they're in slavery for 400 years, and at the turn of this, uh, Moses shows up. And Moses says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And, and, and I love the... the Throughout this next section of Scripture in Exodus, it says time and time again that God, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Sometimes that blows me away because I think, wow, that just doesn't make sense to me. Why would God harden the heart of someone that was in charge? But I don't want to go off on that tangent. Let me read to you. Uh, that uh, through this, uh, this hardening, there, there are 10 plagues that happens through the nation of e- Egypt. The first one was blood. Then came frogs. Then gnats. Uh, then flies. All livestock was killed. Each time, I want you to remember that Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. They are no longer going to be slaves. They're supposed to be free. But no, that, that's not what happens. Then comes boils on the skins of all the people, on all the Egyptians. Then comes hell, then locusts, and then darkness covers the entire land. Now, at what point... Do you think Pharaoh would have said, enough is enough? As a matter of fact, it's not until the 10th one, the firstborn, the plague of the firstborn being killed. And that's where the whole Passover is coming from. Because in Exodus chapter 12, beginning at verse 12, this is what it says It says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and, and all the gods of Egypt, and I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. Uh, The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. When you see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day I shall be with you as a memorial day and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it As a feast. So the Jewish people now, for some 1500 years, and as a matter of fact, if you go to a Jewish home uh, this year in April when they celebrate uh, Passover Seder, the same dinner, the same elements will be there. Um, So as Jesus is telling these two disciples, and, and in Luke, um, it, it tells us that the two disciples are actually John and Peter. And so John send, Jesus sends John and Peter out to the city and, and says to them, this is what's going to happen. When you go into the city, look for a man carrying a jug of water, and, and when you see him, follow him, go into his house, and ask the owner where it is that I'm going to have my dinner with my disciples. Now, to get an understanding of what is happening here, uh, how many of you watched any part of the Super Bowl last week? Okay, well, whether or not you watched it, you saw some of the media coverage that if you went into Atlanta, uh, it was complete chaos. They were actually charging $500 for a room at Motel 6. (laughs) It was packed. People came from all over the place, and in Jerusalem, this was the same situation. Uh, people were coming from all over and things were packed. Things were reserved. The fact that uh, the, the disciples are waiting till the day of the unleavened bread, the day it was the Passover were to begin, was crazy. It would be almost as if you were gonna wait till the night before the Super Bowl, fly in into Atlanta and say, huh, where am I going to go? I know what I'm gonna do. I'm just going to wait for someone to tell me where to go, and there's going to be a place that's prepared. That's how crazy this was. But uh, uh, for me, I, I love reading the pages of Scripture and saying, what is it that these guys were actually thinking? What was in the mind uh, of, of Peter and John when they were told to just go into the city, look for a guy carrying a jug of water, and, and, and follow him, and everything was going to be okay? Okay. <laughs> Uh, so as they entered in the city, now uh, you also have to understand that uh, the gathering of water was usually done by, by women, and it was usually done by the youngest women, usually slaves in, in that area. Uh, and, and so to see a man doing it was quite abnormal. And, and But sure enough, as they go there, and I always think, what was the guy with the jug of water thinking, okay, I've got to be here and Jesus' disciples are going to show up? I, I, I have no idea. But what I do know is that uh, the main point of this passage, at least as I'm looking at it, is this. When we walk in obedience, you will be in the will of God. When we do the things that God tells us to do, we are smack dab right where we are supposed to be. Now, I know in my life there's plenty of times where I struggle with things and I say, I just wish I knew what God's will was. And a lot of times I think the principle in here is that what did God tell you to do? When God tells you to do something, that is the will of God. For those of you who are married, when you got married and you made that covenant before your spouse— before God, before your friends, before your family, you, you made a covenant to love, honor, cherish that spouse. That is God's will for your life. Tough times are going to happen. And if you come to me and say, hey, but I, I just don't know what God's will is for my life because it's just not happening. It's, we're just not happy Now, Beth and I have been married for over 30 years, and I can tell you this. We've had some intense fellowship. (laughs) There have been times where I don't agree with her, and she doesn't agree with me. And there have been times where, to be honest with you and be very transparent, I've wanted to throw up my hands and say, this just isn't worth it. But I have never, never questioned whether or not it was God's will for me to love my spouse. I may have struggled through it. She has struggled through it. But that understanding that when we walk in obedience to what God is saying, regardless of what is happening, you will be in the will of God. Next we read, and, when, uh, and I'll be reading out of verse 17, and when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. One who's eating with me, they began to be sorrowful and say to him, one after another, is it I? He said to them, it is the one of the 12. One who is dipping bread into the dish with me, for the Son of Man goes, it is written of him, but woe to that man to whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man had he not been born. Wow. You know, last week, uh, Dre talked about Peter's denial. And, and here, as we sort of flip back and forth. Now, in hindsight, who's this talking about? Anyone? Judas. Judas right. Uh, you know, Judas is that evil guy. He's that guy that had the, 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 the goatee with the pointy beard. And, and you could spot him a mile away.